school for magic sits nestled on a heath in the heart of a small town. There, three students pursue their studies. An industrious artificer, an orphan struck by cruel tragedy, and a girl who can see her own doom. They navigate the ins and outs of a day spent studying and chasing their own desires. Will they unlock the secrets of their school, or will they be hampered by the faculty thereof? Hey folks, welcome to Follow the Leader, a podcast focused on telling character-driven stories through the use of GMless tabletop games where we can all take the lead. You can find us on Twitter at FTLCast and at FTLCast.com. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FTLCast. Today, we're playing Arcane Academia by Thomas Herbertson, with art by Annie Johnston Click. For those of you who are new to the game, here are the basics. In Arcane Academia, you play a group of students at a magical academy, companions to the tumults and turmoil of a day in the life of wonder and whimsy. Bond over meals together, attend arcane lessons, socialize during your free time, and go on daring, mischievous escapades at night. My name is Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Endless Musings or on co-host at MissyNim. My pronouns are he, him. Playing with me today, we have August. Hi, I'm August. You can find me on uh, Blue Sky at Harpy Dora or on Tumblr at Strange Harpy. Uh, and my pronouns are they, them. And we have Anya. Howdy, I'm Anya. You cannot find me, you will not find me. Um, and my pronouns are they, them. Cool. Our lines, which are things we absolutely do not want to see, are homophobia and transphobia, racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, violence against children and animals, sexual assault, domestic violence or intimate partner violence, unwanted pregnancy, plagues, and pandemics. Our veils, which are things we're fine with addressing but we're just to black on, include steamy situations, graphic descriptions of bodily harm, and terminal illness. And now that's been established, let's begin. done some prep off mic for what our characters look like and we have a general idea of what exactly the tone for all of this is but um something that we have to decide along the way is also what exactly the academy we're at looks like and then what the nature of the magic is that we're casting we've had a little bit of conversation but we haven't landed in anything solid yet so i know that i had some ideas and i wanted to check with everyone else too about vibes thoughts anyone um, so like with the, the vibes that we've established, uh, so far we've got kind of wintry vibes, uh, cozy with cold winds and this being kind of a small town. Did we have anything else that we wanted to, uh, add to the, the tone? Yeah, I think, uh, outside of that, like if we're doing this strongly rooted in time, I almost feel that maybe it could be like a preparatory thing, like we're starting in the early throes of winter where the chill is starting to fall on. So it's kind of everyone's getting ready to get through the dead of winter, you know? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. And uh, what thoughts did we have for what the school looks like? 
<laughs> I think I remember I said something, but I'll let someone else speak first. Uh, I mean, we're being stereotypical. Why not do a castle? Yeah, that's fair. I think what I mentioned was someone, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I have to read back on it. Right. It was, um, you mentioned massive on the inside TARDIS style before. I heard expansive inner spaces and I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about the game control recently because all the stuff to do with Alan Wake with the like expanding brutalist architecture. That's not quite the vibe, but like that sort of same thing where like a room appears as needed or as defined almost where you step through. And what was formerly a wall has like a doorway in it almost. Like it unfolds, I think is probably the best word to use here. Mm -hmm. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did we have any other thoughts on what the school should look like? Well, here's a question. Since we're doing it in a castle, would there be natural spaces? Would they also appear or would they already be defined? I like the idea that there's at least one courtyard or maybe the courtyard changes depending on who's there. Okay. Maybe then that could be like, so you enter in through the front. That's the first point of contact. Like you see the courtyard first, however mm -hmm. it's defined. And even if it changes definition and then from there, all of these other rooms appear. Yeah. Cool. It'll be our central point. And I think it might be, since we're doing a small town, do we want to have like a forest around us or do we want this to be in more like a plains biome? Ooh, that's a good question. So I'll tack on that with another question. When we go in, does it expand outward or downward? I like the idea of expanding outward. Okay. And then, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then I'd say probably like if there's a forest, it probably is a bit more distant. Um, generally out and around them, there's flat ground, I'd say, or general plains, meadows, mm. grassland sort of situation. Do we want, like, a heath? Yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah, because that gives us some plant life and stuff that we can, we can, uh, meddle around in, uh, that can still hide some secrets. Yeah, stuff that's easily moved. Mm-hmm. Okay, any other thoughts on the school's appearance? All right, I think that's less time for us to look at magic then. Yeah. We have a pretty ambitious set of backgrounds here, so I think that means that the magic might be even a bit grander than I thought. I was thinking originally just like basic hedge magic, but I kind of want to poke into more stuff than just that. Like almost, uh... So I'll describe it a little bit through the way that I had for um, my character to start with, and then we can go upwards from there. Um... The person I had, they were a guild apprentice. Well, the way that I had saw them using their magic was almost like conducting. I'm a person with the music background to some extent, so um, it shows some of my biases. But uh, a little bit of sorcerer's apprentice kind of situation. But having to handle things while also not being entirely in control of them almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like magic has almost its own will that we have to we have to kind of direct yes sort of like a muse or something i like the idea that the most common magic is like hedge magic and grander things are like higher level uh like maybe 
Um, cause we were thinking these students are in like their later teens. So maybe we're just starting to dip into the advanced magic. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I guess the question with how, how it looks like is along with that is how common exactly it is. Like, is it one of those cases where everyone has a little bit and they know how to do like their basic cleanings and whatnot, or is it more specialized than that? And there's specific people that are able to do these things. I like the idea that everyone does a little bit. I, you know, I, I hate to invoke the specter of the turf, but, you know, it, it never sat right with me, like the distinction between non-magical people and magical people in the property that must not be named. Very fair. Um, so I like the idea that everybody has a little bit. Yeah, I think that tracks. And then I think the way that I like to think about that, too, is just with people that actually go into study for it, the reason why they do it is because they want to specialize into it. But then with everyone else, like if you have your barkeep or if you have your shopkeep, like they probably know things about how, how to clean their glasses or how to mm. uh, sweep the floors quickly. And it's just practical stuff that they don't really need to go further out. And then it brings along that fun image of like the good housekeeping magazines or something, except it's like 10 cantrips to clean up your, you know, family's mm-hmm. uh, 48 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. You just have to simply do these motions and say these words and voila, the winds of winter will blow through and make sure that your drinks are nice and cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Does anyone else have any other thoughts? No, I'm just here for the ride. Hell yeah. That is such a mood. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like a passenger in my brain. Um, okay, let's go. So then I think that's on to characters, right? Yep. Cool beans. I'm at the top, so I'll go ahead and start with the one that I've set out. So when I was describing this to the others, I've mentioned this story, which I feel applies. Um, someone once described one of their characters in a game that I was playing with them once as a scarf elemental. And I think that concept kind of like stuck its way into my gray cells and never quite let go. So I've been obsessed with chasing that ever since. So the person that I have here, um, this one is Soleil, pronouns he, him. Um, The way that I've described him is he's fully wound in thickly padded protective gear, like think uh, overalls or coveralls or some such. Mended enough times to become a patchwork quilt at least a quarter of an inch thick. The stature suggests someone on the shorter end, about 5'2", um, who still has a very tall spine for their hidden frame. They don't slouch at all. Um, they have bright green eyes that glint out from above a face covering and below a train engineer's cap, with goggles perched atop the brim, with spiky tufts of straight black hair sprouting out from either sides of their cap and pale ears poking out. Um, finally, they've got thin, dexterous fingers protruding out from their fingerless utility gloves. So... More, like, industrial, like, workhorse kind of person, as opposed to the the fancier, less calloused types. Um, For their background, I've selected a guild apprentice who's raw magic animated at the workplace. The note that I had on this, which was similar to what I mentioned about the magic earlier, is the way that they work is they conduct almost like an orchestra of forged instruments. So hammers ringing and anvils, bellows blowing in time, um, sort of that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So along with that, we've also got questions to ask about our characters to the others to help sort of thread things in. So I think we should wait for the, you know, ask the other companions until we've introduced everybody. Sure. Sounds good. 
but each background does have a uh, question to answer about your character, too. Yep. Yeah. And for the Guild Apprentice background, the question that I've got to expound on is, do childhood friends and former former fellow apprentices treat you differently now? I think for Soleil, um, he already kind of had started on this on his own. Like, even before coming over, he'd been reading books and trying things out for no end of trouble. So I think he's got a reputation for trying to reach too far too fast. Um, and this is really more trying to solidify it and maybe improve the reputation that he set out. But I think he's held the same thing from start to end. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that follows for, I see Anya next. Yes. So I'm playing Aster. Uh, pronouns are she, they. Look is sleepy eyes covered almost completely by straight black bangs. Um, she has long straight black hair and dark clothes. She is previously my ghost girl, now coming back as a magic student. Her background is the dreamer played by prophetic visions. And the question I have for that is what image has been recurring in your dreams of late? And I think it is my death. Which is very cozy and light. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's the winter, you know, sometimes memento mori, right? Yeah. We're talking, we're like, let's do a cozy game. Like, okay, but what if I'm dreaming about my death? Well, you know, coziness borders on the edge of dark, I think. (laughs) You're tucked away from something, right? Yeah. Okay. And I think that leaves August. Yep. Um, I'll be playing Soul Hawk. Uh, because I think that uh, the idea of Soul as a magic student is pretty hilarious. Uh, she yeah. uses she, her pronouns. She has uh, tan skin and close-cropped uh, bleach blonde hair, uh, brown eyes that are, you know, sharp uh, and a sullen demeanor, uh, kind of a little bit sulky, a little bit uh, confrontational. And I think, like... Her clothes tend to be uh, more rough and tumble than other folks at the school. Like, she tends to wear uh, dark denim and nothing protective like Soleil, but still, like, clothes that you could get down and dirty in uh, without feeling too conscious of it. Um, Her background is that she's the survival of a personal tragedy, seeking power for vengeance. Uh, Basically, her family got uh, killed. Again, we're doing a cozy game. Uh, (laughs) We swear. Yeah, uh, her family family, uh, got wiped out, although uh, she feels uh, her sister's loss the most keenly. But uh, people who've been listening for a while may know that there's uh, something up with her sister Meryl. Uh, so we'll see if, if that comes up or not. Um, and the question that I have from her background is, what figure or power looms over you, its hold not yet relinquished? And uh, I said a cruel, power-hungry wizard who uh, killed her family over a secret that they kept. Um, that's that That person is what haunts her. Think of a... Think of it like the six-fingered man from uh, *The Princess Bride*. Mm. Uh, that kind of, that kind of looming, persistent figure. Nice. Uh, so now 
now we move on to the aptitudes and vulnerabilities, correct? That we do, yeah. So for these, we have questions that we ask each other about. It says left and right, and since it's in the doc, we have it above and below. But um, do you want to start, since we've ended on, on you for the introductions? Uh, sure. So um, each character has an aptitude, uh, which uh, corresponds to an attribute. There are five attributes, uh, esoterica, craft, drive, attunement, and wit. Um, so, uh, the aptitude that I chose for soul is stubborn, uh, and that corresponds to the question, uh, what have I not given up on, on your behalf? And I'm asking that of Aster. Yeah. And I've been trying to think about an answer to that. Could it be related to my dream? I guess. Yeah, um, what immediately springs to mind to me is, like, I'm not giving up on the idea of keeping you alive. Yeah, because I'm thinking um, when I'm dreaming about my death, I think the death is different every single time. So maybe I'm, like, updating you and you're like, okay, well, today we'll make sure we don't, like, walk in traffic because your death was a car accident last time and mm -hmm. stuff like okay. that. Okay. That is probably the worst form of horoscope you can receive every day. <laughs> yeah. How do yeah. I die today, dreams? <laughs> Please tell me, stars. <laughs> yeah, so that's nice and cozy. Uh, and the <laughs> attribute that corresponds to is drive, and drive is your personal willpower and beliefs. So uh, her vulnerability is she's arrogant, uh, which means I ask, um, Soleil, what about you do I overlook? Yeah, that's fair. I think for Soleil, the fact that he walks around wearing a bunch of protective gear and looking extremely padded means that people may underestimate kind of how tough he is. Like, he's been around fires, he's handled heavy tools, but um, I think that appearance of being a pretty much a big mattress <laughs> makes mm. him makes him seem like he might be brittler than he actually is and he's that he's less willing to get into trouble or um try to experiment with things than he might seem originally cool uh and that corresponds to the attribute es esoterica which is your understanding of mathematical principles and arcane lore and that's uh her weak spot which totally makes sense for her so um I will pass the baton to Anya. Okay. So my first question, which I am asking of... Ah! Oh, I guess first, uh, I my aptitude that I chose was eccentric. And so that means I am asking Corey, what behavior or belief of mine do you find odd? Okay. Um. So... I guess when it comes to those dreams and how they come, like how does Aster usually act in the pre like in the absence rather of soul? Like, um, do they generally like run for the hills? Or are they just like shut inside? Do they walk out and face it directly? Like, what's their situation with that? I think at this point, she's had the dreams so frequent that it's just like, okay, well today's piano is gonna fall and smash me. And so she's just, like, blasé about it. Okay, yeah, then I think that's probably what Soleil finds strange, is just... Fair. The idea <laughs> that someone could walk out so bravely and 
be ready for that specifically. Yeah. And, you know, also just the idea of death itself to some extent, since I think they're a little bit reckless sometimes with how they, uh, that, how these experiments themselves, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, blasé about death. I think that's the behavior that, <laughs> that he finds odd. <laughs> yeah. And that's related to the esoterica as- attribute as well. And then my vulnerability is that I'm disorganized. And so I'm asking Soul, uh, what thing of yours did I borrow and lose? Oh, God. <laughs> my first instinct yeah. is to make this really tense. Oh, cozy. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, my first instinct is to be like, well, it was something of Meryl's that Soul lent you. No, no, I'm so sorry. Maybe it's something as simple as like a pencil set uh, that Meryl had, like, and yeah, you lost it, and that that could actually be. Uh, something we put in the reference deck as uh, something that uh, Soul wants to do is find that. I'm sorry, I want to find it too. <laughs> Didn't mean <Yeah>. to. <laughs> Meryl's pencil set. There's something that is a little funny to me just about the inherent fragility of such an item, and yet, like, I also know preserving things that are kind of fragile or otherwise usable like Mm -hmm. that situation where like you have uh christmas cards from like a relative of and you just like throw them all into a drawer because you can't bear to throw them away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and what attribute does that vulnerability correspond with also esoterica (laughs) how does that manifest i wonder how does i don't know (laughs) Is it one of those things where you're a prodigy, prodigy with certain things and other things you just can't wrap your head around? Maybe. Because, yeah, like, uh, I think about it a lot when I was in school. I was, like, excelling in math. Like, I was, every every math teacher I had was, like, disappointed I wasn't doing something math-related in college. Uh, and so with that, you would think it usually pairs well with science. Mm. Uh but I sucked at science and almost mm-hmm. failed science. So like the dichotomy of like these two things should go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I feel that. Yeah. Cool. What a mood. Woo. Okay. Then I think that leaves me. So for Soleil, the aptitude that I selected for him was curious. So the question that comes along with that is, what project do you always see me tinkering on? that goes to you august um how do you feel about a little clockwork helper yeah okay like a little guy yeah (laughs) okay i can see that like a little guy so just just a little guy uh meant to like not you know not a full-size person uh, but somebody, you know, something that's meant to, like, go fetch you reagents and stuff like that. Yeah, I can see that. And especially in the sense of, like, tools, right? Where you have a big old toolbox and you're mm-hmm. under something and you need someone to help grab, like, a hammer or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
so a little a little clockwork automaton and if you don't mind me like expounding a little further and I feel free to to say no like i feel like this might be your forever project <laughs> like it's never quite right um you're always having to tinker with it and that's why i find it kind of fascinating because it's like why do you why do you keep doing this but it obviously is brings some sort of fulfillment to be able to do this but I totally get it. Like a gear runs out of time or like a leg just doesn't move quite as efficiently as it should. Or mm -hmm. maybe it needs to be able to bring two things instead of one or maybe three instead of two. And mm -hmm. it just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I think about how closely the concept of artificing is to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and my brain worms. So um, speaking of which, the attribute associated with this is craft. So that's knowledge of secret natures and uses of material things. I choose to interpret it more as the material things aspect, especially now with this, like knowing tolerances and how things should run and uh, how things can be cut and built and joined together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the vulnerability that Soleil has here is naive. So Anya, I get to ask you this. Uh, who do I trust that you think I should? Uh, how do you feel about corruption in the faculty? <laughs> <laughs> I was I couldn't decide uh, whether or not to say Workers of the World Unite or to start uh, singing uh, Lima's. You know, do you, do you hear the people sing? <laughs> I I not to be too stereotypical, but like I don't know. Does that uh, feel all right if it's like one of your mentors who maybe you uh, you look up to? Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, this is someone who can be taken in by, like, thoughts of industriousness, industriousness and the meritocracy. Hooray! Hooray! Sorry! It's fine. <laughs> it's a flaw. Enjoy that. <laughs> Cozy! Uh, we're we're going to have to define a faculty member who kind of sucks. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you say what attribute that corresponds to? Um, writing it down, but yes, so the attribute here for uh, that particular vulnerability is uh, wit. Um, cleverness and charm, using social sway to get what you want, lateral problem solving and stuff, which I relate to this so closely. Like, sometimes you just think of a solution and you kind of have to bully your head through it until you realize that it's not the right one. You don't think like, what if I go around the door? But you think, what if I try to bust the door down? Smile. Okay. Uh, with everyone defined, I think that means it's time to start building that reference deck, right? Yeah, so the the document calls this orientation because the game is structured like a day in the life. So we create the reference deck, which is a handy collection of shared world building prompts that players can invoke during the game to have common references. Um, so the first one that it references is building the campus. Uh, each player should create one location with a few descriptive adjectives and a detail or two about the space. So, uh, Corey, would you like to go first? Yeah, I think I can. Um, I won't go for the easy one, which is that courtyard there. I'll go for something else instead, uh, <laughs> even though I do want to talk about that more. I think in this case, probably 
oh, let's say a workshop in this case. And I think for this one, it really is kind of a smorgasbord of stuff. Part of it is just because the nature of this building and how it keeps expanding outwards. I think more workspaces get added onto it as we go along. But it probably started off with like the basic things like you have your spell components here for like alchemy stuff or you have um, various materials here that you can use for charms or focuses or otherwise. Um, when Soleil arrived, for instance, it probably expanded to have like a forge or um, some form of enchanting table to make tools a little more potent, like sort of sorts of things like that. Um, I think if I had to boil it down to adjectives, uh, I'll say something like expansive, well-equipped, and disorganized. Love it. Okay. Anya, would you like a dick shot? I mean, I'm predictable. Uh-huh. Lean into it. Yeah. Tell us about the library. Yeah. Uh, so there's a library. I want it to be like multiple floors, big ass library. Uh, it just feels like you can learn there. Um, some descriptive adjectives. Um, let me, cause I have a vibe. Let me. Oh, I'm I'm looking for the vibe. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, figure out how to describe this vibe. My ears to the ground, waiting for the resonations. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, is it, like, a really strict library, or is it kind of like uh, the, li the library that we see in the Owl House, where there are people who are, you know, together, not necessarily quietly? Um, I think... And sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, people who are there not necessarily quietly doing stuff together or uh, people who may be practicing things. Yeah, so I think um, it's a mixture. I think that there are floors that are like, if you whisper, you're kicked out. And then I think there are floors where like, you know, where you're checking items out and you're asking for help. Those floors are going to be inherently a little bit louder um, and then maybe some private rooms students can rent for, like, practicing group stuff. I see. It's like a difference between the stacks and the help, and the help desk and reception and stuff. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, is noble the right word as an adjective? It's like, it feels, this place feels important. Yeah. Uh... My brain, eternally seeking puns, wants to say storied in, in response to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like that. Sounds good. But I also, I like, uh, I like the idea of an inviting atmosphere as well. Hmm. Um, like, maybe the higher floors are like the strict, you are here to research and study and you do not talk. But the main area where you go in is, is inviting and welcoming kind of vibe. Well, and the benefit of magic, too, is that you can always have, like, a silence thing on those upper floors. So sound doesn't mm -hmm. Right? Oh, I like the idea of, like, um, it's all open. Like, all the floors, you can see from the top one, like, all the way down to the bottom. 
but yeah, there's like some magical barrier that uh, isolates the top floor from all the noise that should be coming up through the open floor plan. Nice. Sounds good. Um, is there one more adjective you want to use? I do like uh, Corey's storied one. Yeah. So storied, inviting, and noble. Yeah. Does that sound right? I think it does. That sounds good. Okay. What's yours, August? Uh, part of me wants to go for the courtyard, uh, but part of me wants to go for a place that can be kind of eldritch. Yeah. <laughs> we swear it's cozy. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a room that's like for testing. So so like <laughs> an exam room. Okay. Um and that room is constantly shifting because the different exams require different things, but it's also unpredictable. Okay. Because you never know like it's not like there's a set exam. The the school itself is what's testing you. Ooh. So that uh you know the the proctors of the exam are there to observe, but it's actually the school that decides whether you pass or fail. I see. And so judging it too is almost sort of like not interpretive, but you know <laughs> Do you make it through the room or do you get spat out in like the courtyard somewhere <laughs> later on? Mm-hmm. Uh so I think my adjectives are gonna be unpredictable, shifting, and what's a good third one? Um you said Eldritch, are there any like when these exams happen, right? Like when these rooms get formed, are there any beings that show up in the middle? My mind immediately goes to like because the school isn't human. Like, even though there are humans in the school or humanoid people in the school, because I don't know if we have, like, non-humans here, mm. um, but just a humanoid form that doesn't have features because uh, the school is just, the school's trying its best, but the school doesn't completely grok humans. Mm. Or as much of an anomaly to it as it is to us. Yeah. Like, I think the school loves the students. I don't think this is a case of, like, what if there was a house and it hated you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the, the school loves the students, and that's why it's so expansive and why it's so responsive. But the school is a building. It's not a, it's not a human. It's fundamentally different. Yeah. I'll put different. Yeah. So... I like that as an initiative. Sorry for just suddenly dumping a whole bunch of stuff about the school that we didn't discuss before, but I hope it's okay. No, 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 it's fine. Like, I think that's kind of the vibe that we had anyway, was... Yeah. If it's already something that's expanding on its own, it's almost like a living being, and same with the magic, right? Like, we're guiding it, we're not directly controlling it, per se. Yeah. Okay, then we have our... Well, some rooms, we may get more as we go along. Um, and Gabby oh, yeah. mentions it too. We might get more locations, but we also need some instructors, some professors, some however we want to describe them. So for this one, it's a few physical descriptors, a general overview of their teaching style and how most students uh, regard them. And we also get to get them a magical profession. So, yay. Um, I think that 
I'm going to struggle with figuring out a name, but I'll start backwards. I think having someone that's that understands uh like a seer type, right? Someone who can read futures or my or emotions or other aspects of someone is probably a good place to start with. Um I think their teaching style as opposed to their field is actually more of a a precise um and ordered and almost strict, honestly, um, in how they actually deliver it. Like, they're doing this in a very systematic manner for how they achieve their results. I think how they're regarded is even... What's what's the opposite of romantic? Very pragmatic sort um, when it comes to how they teach. And it really is kind of a, a, a love-or-hate relationship with that sort of thing, where some folks wish that they had a little more mystery about them and others are like, yeah, okay, we appreciate that this is being clearly stated as this should be this and that should be that as opposed to like, uh, I don't know, feel your way through it, man, kind of situation. Oh, what would a good name for them be? I'll say Vigil. Sounds good. Pronouns? Mm, he, they. Okay. And do you have any just inclination on descriptors, like a, a right. physical description? Uh, ooh. Let's say tall to the point of gangly. I think they are quite weathered, almost like an old oak. But I think for that, they would have salt and pepper hair and black eyes with surprising vitality to them. Sounds good. Okay. Anya. I want an old, sweet lady. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta have one. Yeah, can can we have one sweet old lady? (laughs) Sure. She, her? Yeah. Um, just feels like your grandma. And, like, she really cares she likes what she does she really cares about what she's doing i was also looking at the seer profession did was that one available more than one seer smile oh there's already uh well let's see the other one uh she could be a sweet little old witch (laughs) also very nice sounds good yeah I'm trying to think of sweet old lady names. Um, something like a uh, Ethel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ethel Crowhaven. Ooh. Ooh. Does she actually give haven to crows? Of course. So, like a crow familiar. Oh yeah. Okay. What's she teaching like? I think she is a freshman, specializes in, like, the required course, because, like, she's just so nice and so good at her job that, like, everyone deserves to have her. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. fair. I almost see someone who has, like, a story for everything that they're doing. Do you agree? Is that something you'd be? Yeah, like, you can't, you can't make it into the lecture without, like, oh my goodness, this reminds me of... Mm Mm-hmm. And this is why we're doing what we're doing today. Yeah. Uh, 
What did the students think of them? I think most students love her. There are probably, you know, some misbehaviors that are like, try to push her buttons or like say she's old and boring. But I think she's a warm, like welcoming vibe to the incoming students. She's just an old lady. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing would be any physical things. Just her own general appearance. Yeah. uh, Gray hair. Walks with a limp, maybe, and a cane. Okay. Really, like, a louder speaking voice than you would expect. Ooh, very good. Projects. Yeah, it just comes in as, like, very ecstatic and high energy. Nice. Which isn't what you would have expected. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I think that leads us to August. Uh, I'm going to create the faculty member you shouldn't trust. <laughs> yeah. Have fun! This one's a real stinker, we say to the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, how how upset would you be with me if there were a wizard QAnon movement? God. (laughs) What kind of conspiracy would they believe in? It's a cult of personality around somebody who just wants to consolidate political power. Yeah, that makes sense. It's probably one of those cases where they started from like the same roots of like, oh, we should all really get together. And then it turned into because of that guy or, you know, something. Mm hmm. Um, but that's why you shouldn't really, uh, trust him. Um, I think that he is, let's say an artificer, like this is, this is somebody who is your mentor. Oh man, this is someone who probably had quality works, but really fell very far off the path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes it more tragic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one of those situations where you look at someone and you're like, how did you get from point A to point B? Like, you had so much... Going for you. Possible... Yeah. We were rooting for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he's middle-aged. Kind of... Uh, craggy features. Um, like, this is... This is an artificer who has learned the hard way about how you interact with the tools that you have. Mm. So kind of lots of scars on his hands and arms. That almost tells me that he might have like an artificial hand that he's designed himself to. Ooh, I like that a lot. I think that's very interesting um, because like artificial arms and hands in our world are really difficult to uh, maintain and use, but being able to use some magic to, to help out with that uh, is just really interesting Yeah, um, for an assistive device. Yeah, so. especially with this too, it's almost like something where you have to tinker with that too to keep it up and running and not... Yeah. Um, I think his teaching style 
I don't want to I don't want to have two really strict instructors, but it is one of those things where safety is number 1. Yeah. Like I think that's a difference between like prescribing how someone does something and making sure someone doesn't hurt themselves. Yeah. But otherwise he's really by the books. Like he has he has a handbook he teaches too. Okay. Um and I think his name is Hmm. I'm really bad at names sometimes. Uh No, that's fair. <laughs> sometimes it really is. It came to me in a dream. Yep. What's an an evil sounding name? How about Walter Heathrow. Uh, Walter. Walter. Because Walter can be shortened to Walt, which seems kind of douchey. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. What does the student body think of this guy? And he's good enough that you look up to him, right? Yeah. So maybe he's really good at deceiving. Yeah. Like, he's he's charismatic, but some students kind of chafe against like how strictly he adheres to like safety protocols and stuff mm. cool so we've got some instructors uh the next thing we need to do is peers correct yep we've got peers so for this one we can do it sort of similarly to how we did our own characters with the background and aptitude and vulnerabilities uh and we also want to get through like the relationship that we have with these peers like if they're a rival or if they have a friend with access to a social group or a new transfer or all sorts of things like that. Um, in addition to the a background aptitude and vulnerability, um, I think we also get to figure out how they look and how they sort of act. So, ooh, um, I'm going to go with, let's, let's, let's go with, let's go with a city orphan for a background for this one. Um, for their aptitude, I'll say that they are probably perceptive. Um, for their vulnerability, I'll say that they're a clumsier kind. So they're more proficient with things requiring attainment. They're not so good with crafts. Mm -hmm. um, oh, what's in a name? My brain wants to say Oliver, but that's already a very well-known orphan. <laughs> Please. I need something in the same region of that. How about Oakley? Okay. Oakley the orphan. A nice O and O. Yeah. <laughs> Pronouns? Mm, they, them, for this one. Okay. Uh, in terms of relationships, I think for Soleil... In particular, they actually see eye to eye to a fair few things. Um, I think Soleil tries to help them a lot with trying not to hurt themselves <laughs> whenever, whenever they're in studies or otherwise, but is constantly surprised by how they can often seem to tell what Soleil is thinking. Hmm. Uh, what's Aster's relationship with Oakley, if there is one? Hmm. Maybe. I think just. Generally friendly. Okay. They're, maybe they've had a couple classes together, but they don't, like, do too much outside of. A familiar face. Yeah. Cool. I think 
Sol treats Oakley coldly um, because they have a lot in common, but Sol doesn't want to admit that. Ooh. Baby, no. Is it a case where Oakley is continually trying to reach them, or is it sort of a mutual? I think Oakley does reach out. Okay. Cool. What uh, peer are you creating, Anya? Um, I really like the scoundrel as like not like a a bad scoundrel, like just like a little shit, like always, you know. Like not paying attention in class, causing disruptions, uh the the jokester kind of thing. Is that okay to have that be? Yeah, like a class yeah. clown kind of situation almost. Yeah, like they're not evil, they're just not serious. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think they're Aster's uh best friend. Um what is their aptitude and vulnerability. Um, ba, 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 aptitude. I think. Let's see. Energetic. How hard is it to keep up with me? Or do do we ask those still? Um, I don't think we ask those for the peers. Okay. Yeah, I think it's more just like a general kind of idea of how they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, energetic and uh, vulnerability. I'm reading them all, sorry. That's fine. Side note, I do love the listless vulnerability on this list of uh, vulnerabilities, where like everything else has a question on it, but the listless <laughs> one says, I'm supposed to ask you something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um... Actually, can I change the aptitude to clever? Yeah. Yeah, by all means. Um, clever, but... Yeah, scatterbrained. Okay. Yeah. Name and pronouns? Um... Not me, just googling names for a little shit. (laughs) (laughs) Stick that right into the history. Yeah, that's in the history now. Uh... I'm trying also not to think of a name of anyone we know. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Xander. With an X. Yeah. Okay. Pronouns? Uh, he, him. Okay. What's uh, Soleil's relationship with him? Um, I think for Soleil, it's one of those cases where, like... Xander tries to mess with them, but Soleil just doesn't quite get it. You know, when someone asks you a question sarcastically and you answer them just like fully honestly and they're like, uh, hang on. (laughs) It's very good. Um, is it interesting if Xander's the only person who can make Sol laugh? Yeah, definitely. No one can quite understand how he manages to crack a tough nut. Yeah. And I think... That unsettles Soul a little bit, uh, just because she's she's like so deep in her feelings, she doesn't know how to handle the lightness. Soul Ooh. smiling, just like what is this feeling? <laughs> it almost like Joy. Is it, you know, ew, <laughs> like feel bad to let the guard down. Almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. 
I think it leaves you, August, for this peer. Yep. I'm gonna name them Gilbert uses she, he, or they pronouns. Um, I think Gilbert is... Ooh. How about Gilbert's a changeling, now Ooh. grown, seeking, seeking their fey parentage? Uh, sounds fun. Does indeed. Um, maybe Gilbert can shapeshift. Uh, which nice. is why uh, she uses uh, she, he, or they pronouns, because it's mm. just like however I'm presenting today. Yeah. His aptitude. I think uh, Gilbert is confident. Okay. And their vulnerability. How about their gullible? Oh, Gilbert. Gotcha. So what's Soleil's? Hmm. I think for Soleil, Gilbert is someone that he wants to talk to, but is never quite sure how to approach. Like, I think Soleil is super used to things being hard to find. Like, you kind of understand where you stand in the workshop. So mm. having someone who is so free-spirited and who changes by the day. It's not like intimidation, but he's just he just doesn't know how to handle it, per se. Okay. Uh, Aster? I think Aster had maybe done a, um, like, group project with Gilbert at some point. Have we been in school for half a second? Yeah, I I think we, we were talking about us being kind of, like, high-level students, like, maybe it's our last year here. Okay. Yeah, so I think Aster has done a uh, project with Gilbert. And um, admired the way that they like took on the the work, and like they they like Gilbert as a student and a classmate. I respect you professionally. Yeah, mm -hmm. and also probably like, oh, you're smart. I want to do more projects with uh, you. Like, mm -hmm. I want to be on your group because. Also, probably the gullible means they probably did more than their fair share of work. Oof. <laughs> hmm. Yep, how's about Sol? Yeah, um... I think Sol also respects Gilbert as a classmate, uh, but they're not close or anything. I don't want to, like, give Sol all negative relationships just because that would be a downer. Um, but I don't see Sol like getting close to anybody except maybe uh, y'all two. That's fair. Yeah. I think the last thing that we probably need to do for everyone is give them general appearances. I got so focused on personality that I forgot how to think about how they look. Yeah. Gilbert changes from day to day, so Gilbert's easy. Yeah. Gilbert is as Gilbert does. How about Xander? Uh scraggly like wears clothes that are too big for him um doesn't like brush his hair often enough kind of vibe is that okay good whole rat's yeah. nest up there yeah yeah okay then i think for oakley like actually probably pretty practical wearing hand-me-downs 
They often have like some form of bandage or plaster on them just because they get scratched up often. Oh, buddy. It's just like that one person that you see in school who always seems to have like a cast on their leg. You're like, how do you keep doing this? <laughs> yeah. It's August, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please consider leaving a rating on your podcast platform of choice, telling your friends about us, or tweeting about us using the FTLcast hashtag. We are also part of a nonprofit podcasting guild called Standing Stones Productions. We do a variety of shows, including The Room Where It Happened and Dumb Kids Playing Hero, two actual play shows, and a Steven Universe discussion podcast called Gay Space Rocks. We also do live streams at twitch.tv slash standingstonesprod. You can keep up with everything that we do on Twitter at stones underscore standing. Unfortunately, Standing Stones was already taken. Your support means a lot. Thanks again!